Hey everybody, this is Tom Singer. It is Thanksgiving week, and I hope that you have lots of things to be thankful for. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in and listens to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So this week, instead of two episodes, we're going to release seven episodes. That's one show every day for all of Thanksgiving week. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Thank you for joining us here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Whether this is your first episode that you've tuned in to listen to, or maybe your 20th episode, thank you for being here. This episode is sponsored by the Executive Press Division of New Year Publishing. Quick disclaimer, I am involved with New Year Publishing and they publish my books, but the Executive Press Division... Um, the Executive Press Division of New Year Publishing specializes in helping CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other executives produce high-quality, industry-focused publications that enhance their brand and the brand of their company. And you can find out more information about New Year Publishing at newyearpublishing.com. So today we're going to jump into what I think is going to be a delightful interview with Honoré Corder. Now, Honoré lives here in Austin, and I have known her for several years, but she has led a very eclectic life, and she's done a lot of things. She actually started off her career. She was the executive assistant to the general counsel of the National Hockey League. How cool is that? That's a great way to get started. And then she went on to work for one of the major banks and spent her year years working for a bank, which is about as corporate as you can get. And then she made the leap to being a solopreneur slash entrepreneur coach and author. So Honoré has authored several books, including Vision to Reality, How, to, How Short-Term Massive Action Equals Long-Term Maximum Results. And I think that's what everybody who tunes into this show wants. If, if you're listening to the show and you are an entrepreneur, or maybe you're in that corporate job, maybe you're working for a big bank and you think, I, I want to go out and do my own thing. You want to have those long-term maximum results. So Honoré, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. I'm excited. So tell the audience a little bit about your journey. You've had an exciting life. <laughs> exciting and, and interesting. Interesting is always one of those nebulous words that can mean here or there, right? <laughs> That's right. She's, yeah. she's very interesting. Yes, interesting. Bless her heart. <laughs> 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 That's a Texas thing, y'all. Um, so I started, as Tom said, in working for the National Hockey League as an executive assistant for the general counsel and the associate general counsel. So in the commissioner's office. So 20 hours a day, seven days a week, working, working, working. And then I got married and moved to Maine and worked for a big, huge bank. And you probably have one of their credit cards in your wallet. And what I realized from working that job was that my dad, all those years ago, had been right. And if he's listening, I'm never going to hear the end of it. Um, <laughs> I wish my daughters yeah. would. I wish my daughters would say that. You know, dad's right. Dad is right. Yet. They're not old enough yet. Hang in there. I'm in my 40s, Tom. I think it's the first time I've ever said it. So, <laughs> and, and you heard so it, there you, you go. And you heard it here first on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Yeah, and it's never going to be said again. So hopefully this is recording correctly. Um, so in any event, my dad was right. He used to say, if you're working for someone, you're working for the man, somebody's going to get rich and it's not going to be you if you're not working for yourself. So entrepreneurs, if you're working, if you're not working for yourself, Someone else is going to get most of the fruits of your labor. 
that was dis- instilled in me from a very young age. That's my, good advice. Yeah. So my parents were educators, um, master's degree, advanced degrees all over the place. And they recognized that all the education in the world still meant that someone was going to take 80% off the top. And you may make a very, very good living and many people do, but unless you're working for yourself, you're, you're not really going to get all of the fruits of the, of your labor. So the very first opportunity I had, I went out on my own and I had a very successful career with Shackley Corporation, which is a network marketing direct sales company. And they made the mistake on their part, total boon on my part of hiring me a business coach. And kind of the rest is history. That was 15 years ago. And it wasn't very long into working with my coach that I had reached all of the goals that I had set for that particular business. And you know how when you go to the moon, because you go to the moon all the time, Tom, you know, you reach a big goal. <laughs> yep. And once you get there, you kind of go, hmm, this is the moon. Been this there. is the moon. Yep. And now what? Now what do I do? Because you, whenever you set a big goal, you think, oh, when I get there, this is great. But if you don't have anything on the other side of it, it's kind of like, okay, now what? There's a little bit of a letdown. So I had reached my goals and then I had that letdown and I had a coaching session not very long after that with my coach. And she said, so what's your exit strategy? What are you going to do next? And I, it was nothing. I had nothing to give her. And she said, well, I think you would make an excellent coach. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so so they, they brought in a coach to help you. And then you decided I'm going to leave here and go become a coach. Correct. Excellent. Yes. Well, I had reached all my goals. That was the thing is I had an ex- 18-month exit strategy. Like, okay, the next 18 months, I'm going to go number one in all five of these categories. And it took me 90 days. And so it was too fast for me to even think, well, what happens if that happens? What's next? What's the next moon so what? Did, so So what did you do? I became a coach. I literally spent, and I am such a nerd. This is outing myself as a nerd. Lots of, lots of, uh, lots of new things I'm sharing here on your podcast that I haven't really shared before. One of them is that I'm a nerd for personal growth, and I love to read and listen to tapes. So nothing makes me happier than three uninterrupted hours to read some kind of a "This is how you get better at doing something" book. And I literally spent. Uh, the next two weeks, my coach loaned me her curriculum from uh, the coaching certification that she had gotten. She said, you don't need to do that. You have experience. You understand this process. But let me give you the, the coaching conversation so that you understand very clearly the coaching conversation from the perspective of being someone's business coach as opposed to being their direct sales or network marketing coach. Make those distinctions. And so she sent me over the I don't know what it was, like 60 cassette tapes. Wow. And so I must have listened for like 20 hours a day because I was single. I didn't have anything to do. So I just was like, yes, another audio cassette tape, which, you know, then dates me. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, it's uh, when you said I listened to tapes, I was thinking it's all on podcast now. But It isn't. Well, it is now. <laughs> it is now. It wasn't then. But it wasn't. It wasn't back in the day, Tom, when we didn't wear shoes and we walked in the hill both ways and in, in bare feet, you know, in the snow. That's right. I'm <laughs> so, almost. I'm almost fifty years old, and it's like I'm yeah. starting to sound like my dad. It's like, well, back in my day, <laughs> back, back back when when the earth was cooling, back when telephones had cords. <laughs> Back when the answering machine was invented. So anyway, um, I spent, you know, just several weeks just going through these 
hundreds and hundreds of hours of information. I still have those original journals. And then I went and found my first six coaching clients. And I was like, look, here is the profile of the person that I would like to coach. You are that person. Um, but you can't pay me because I don't know if I suck or not. So let's just go and you can buy lunch and I'll coach you and we'll see how it works out. And so that was 90 days with each of those six people. And at the end of the 90 days, they were all super thrilled to pieces with it. And, and none of them knew what a coach was. So I was their first coach. Well, how many years ago was this? Uh, really? 15. So nobody really knew what a coach was unless you were on a baseball team. Right. And that's actually how I explained it to someone. I said, look, so a, a business coach does for your business what a basketball coach would do for the helping you with the fundamentals of your basketball game. So dribbling, three-point shots, not you know, shooting from the free throw line, like the basics, right? The fundamentals that you have to master in order to be excellent. It's not sexy. It's not exciting, but you have to master those things. And a coach is going to help you to make sure that you do those things and you do them very, very well. And then once you do them very well, then we can, you can become a Harlem Globetrotter. (laughs) You can (laughs) do the left-handed hook and you can do all of these uh, really neat and nifty things that you want to do and really expand your business. But first you have to, you know, how about returning phone calls? in a reasonable amount of time? How about, you know, paying your bills on time? Basic, basic things that most people aren't really great at because they're juggling too many things and their, their uh, focus is divided. So that's where I started. I started with those six people. And at the end of the 90 days, I said, how did I do? And they all said, we don't care what you charge, you're hired. <laughs> well, that's good. That was awesome. And they referred two new clients to me. And my super secret goal at the time was within six months to have 10 clients. So I had eight clients in that first eight days that I was officially open for business and was accepting money instead of food <laughs> for payment. And the rest is history. So 15 years later, I'm still thoroughly enjoying the coaching conversations that I get to have on pretty much a daily basis with my clients. And you now do so much more than just just coaching. So your business has has expanded into so many different things. Yes. So I have written 13 books. I am working on my 14th book and I have a few in the queue. The fun thing about being an author is that once you start writing books, people will say, oh, you know, the next book you should write is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. In fact, I swore after 10 books, I was done. And now the ABCs of legal marketing has been the draft oh. is done and it's at the editor. And I, I wrote it with a friend who is the CMO of a, a major law firm. And everybody's really excited about the ABCs of legal marketing. Mm-hmm. And I started my career in a law firm or middle of my career was in a law firm as the marketing director and everybody said tom shouldn't this have been your first book Mm. and i'm like well you know i kept ignoring it and then after you know 10 years i finally am getting it done well congratulations and talk to me after the show i have an introduction to make for you cool um with regards to that book but it's interesting when someone says gee tom why don't you write this book they have no idea what they've just said to you they have no idea what goes into actually conceptualizing and then completing a book. Even if it's a small, like 100-page tips book, there are so many steps that are involved. Correct. So you've written 13 books, and and you have this whole series for single moms in addition to your vision book. Yep. Yep, I wrote the Successful Single Mom book, and it turned into a book series. Um, And I just actually today approved the proof for... The Successful Single Mom Finds Love in Paperback. So now that will be available um, by the time this airs, for sure, available on Amazon. It's been an ebook and recently an audiobook. And then I also just found out that today The Successful Single Mom Gets Fit is available on Audible. So I've been kind of 
getting them available in all different formats, which, as you know, also is a um, a long ride <laughs> to the finish line. <laughs> so, so you have a lot of you have a lot of balls in the air, and you do a lot of things, and and you're very successful at all of them. So, what is it that you love? about this life of working for yourself? You've done it for a long time. What gets you up in the morning where you say, yep, this is it? Um, a couple of things. One of the things I love is the ability to control my day for the most part. I have control of my day, which means that I can get up at whatever time that I decide to get up at and I can do what I want to do when I wake up. So I don't have an outside force saying you have to be at this place at this certain time, which then means that when I have some time to spend with my husband or he has some time to spend with me, I can adjust my schedule for that. I have a 14 year old freshman in high school. And as you know, they grow up super fast. Oh yes. And I was able two years ago to recognize that I only had so many more breakfasts that I would get to make so many more mornings that I would get to spend with her before school, so many days after school that I would get to spend time with her, so many more weekends and holidays. And so I adjusted my schedule so that things, for the most part, don't encroach in that morning or evening time frame so that I'm spending it with her. Because very soon she's going to say, you know, I'm too cool for you and I'm going to move out and go live my own life. Yes, that, and I, that comes up very quickly. Yes, and I will miss that. So that's one of the things that I love. And also controlling the direction and, and also my income. Like, you know, if I want to make more money, I can work more. And if I don't want to make as much or I don't feel like working as much, I can adjust that as well. So that's really fantastic. I also like the fact that my particular business means that anywhere there's an internet connection and a phone line, that's where I can work. So, you know, you talk about your family. So you were single when you started and then you got married, then you had a child, then you got divorced and now you're remarried. Yes. So how do you juggle all the pieces of family tied into being this like super solopreneur? Well, there's some duct tape and some paper clips involved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's about being like anything that you want to be successful at. It's, it's about being purposeful and intentional. So I am very much the person that shows up believing that the structure sets me free. I don't have a day in actuality before I have it mentally, before I put it down on paper. I'm very clear about this is the time that I'm working and this is the time that I'm spending with my family. And I'm flexible. I'm not rigid in it, but I'm disciplined in the fact that there are certain things that I must accomplish every single day. Some of those things are work-related. Some of those things are personal and some of those things are family. And of course, as we know from being parents, that if your child is sick or has some kind of an issue or your spouse has an issue or needs something, then all that goes right out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another benefit of being an entrepreneur, of being your own boss, because you can call the shots and know that the shot that you call is your own. And that is, I don't think there's anything more wonderful than that. So you've made it all work, but what are the parts you don't like? There's got to be something where you think, God, I could go back to the bank. Oh, no. Nothing? Nope. Nothing would make you go back to the bank. <laughs> no, if that was a question you wanted me to answer, that would have been an advanced question. But I like just <laughs> thinking about it, I don't think that there's anything that I would like about working for someone else. There are things that I like about working with someone else. And one of the fun projects that I'm getting to work on right now is the Miracle Morning book series. So I am Hal Elrod's business partner. So he does the, he did the Miracle Morning book and we're just about to release the Miracle Morning for real estate agents. And then we have for salespeople and for network marketers kind of in the queue. Fantastic. And 
working with someone is fantastic. There's that accountability. I have to show up at a certain time, but there's also a huge amount of reward on the other side of it. So that's about as close as I want to get to having someone else dictate to me when I have to be where and how much they've decided that that time is worth. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, let's say, and you do coach people who want to leave corporate America and go off on their own. I do. What, what advice do you have for anybody who says, I feel a little bit stifled and I have this calling to go out there. What do I do, Honoré? What do I do? Run, don't walk. <laughs> <laughs> do it now. <laughs> do it now. The first time you thought of it was when it should have become your reality. Um, well, the very first thing is clarity. They have to get really clear because it is certainly a different animal working for someone, working for corporate America, where you are one of many and your hour is already paid for whether you show up or you don't. And being an entrepreneur where it's very easy to get swept away with, I could work 20 hours a day, eight days a week and never finish all the work and and not making any real progress because there's so much to do. So first of all, it's deciding what is it that you want to do and what is it that you want to do to give you? What's the end result for you? So there are a number of people that I talk to, whether they're employed in corporate America or they're entrepreneurs, and they're just like, I just have to make the rent and payroll this month. Okay, but what happens in five years? Are you still solo focused on the next pay period and the next rent that's due and the next set of bills? Or are you building something? Are you building some kind of an empire? Are you building some kind of an exit? Are you building some kind of, are you going to, to something? Like your firm is going to be worth X amount of dollars in so many years, or you're going to sell the business for X number of dollars. And what is that number? So it's just really clear on the end game first well, and before that's one, you take the first step. That's one of the things, because I've sat down and had coffee with you many times. That's one of the things you're very good at is you're very good at looking two steps ahead. And I think a lot of people, I know myself, struggle with that. We're like really happy with what we're doing right now, or we're really frustrated with what we're doing right now. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but we can only kind of see sort of, you know, till that next month or that next quarter. And you're really good about thinking, well, what about 2017 and 2025? So how does someone adjust to that? Well, Tom, that's where coaching comes in handy. <laughs> and that'll <laughs> Sorry, cost, that's going to, that's going to cost me to get that answer. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Uh, honestly, it's about the questions that you ask yourself. So when you recognize that you're really happy about something, why are you really happy about it? Why do you like it? And how long do you want to like it? Because if you really like red licorice, you can eat red licorice every day for about two weeks and then you never want to eat red licorice again. So there's the danger that the thing that makes you really happy today isn't going to make you happy later. What are you going to do? And we are, as humans, always evolving and growing and changing. So the thing that's interesting and fascinating and wonderful and amazing to us today may not be that way tomorrow or next week or next year or five years from now. So asking yourself, what do you like about it? And then asking yourself, what do you not like about it? And then ultimately, there are some much bigger questions that I like to ask myself, which is how do I want to spend my time and my life in a few years? Really love doing this right now. Really love doing this right now. Am I going to want to do this forever? Maybe not. Maybe there are some aspects of it that I don't love so much. I mean, writing a book is awesome. I absolutely love it. But it is, there's the last 10% that feels like the last 50% that feels a lot like giving birth to five people at the same time. (laughs) 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 I've given birth to one person at a time, like one real person. And like, 
get having the baby yes. <laughs> is sometimes not as painful as having a bit having a book. <laughs> yes, well, so. I I haven't I haven't been on the actual birthing side, but I have two children, and 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 the kids are a lot of work. But people will ask me about my books. What's your favorite of your books? It's like it's like choosing between my children. I can't That's choose. Right. They all were a labor of love. That's right. That's right. So, so you start yes. you started so, out. Go go ahead. Oh well, that just that long like to answer that question of like how do you how do you look two or three steps ahead? It's always asking yourself what is it that is interesting to you about what you want to do next year and the year after and the year after that. Could you live like this forever with no changes? Probably not. So if not, then what would make it better or more interesting or more expansive to you? So that's really good advice. Now, you started off by saying, you know, one of the pieces of advice would be just if you feel that calling, just run, start, go do it. I got to tell you, Honoré, that's the one thing. If people say, do you have any regrets? I wish I'd started my own business five years earlier because mm-hmm. I had that, that desire probably all along, but certainly for the five years preceding it. But I was, I was scared and I was the primary breadwinner and I had two young children and the amount of travel it would take to start the business and, and the risk that was involved. And to be honest with you, while I was kind of working towards it all along, it wasn't until the recession hit and I got laid off that I got kicked out of my job that caused me to not have a lot of other options when I jumped in. And that was five and a half years ago. And now I look at it thinking I should have started this 10 years ago because I would be just that farther, that much farther ahead. And, and I wish I had started earlier. So that's actually really good advice. Well, you know, it's interesting about what you're saying is that when you and I started as entrepreneurs, there wasn't this plethora of books and podcasts and blogs and articles and a whole entire movement around becoming an entrepreneur. It was a little like, oh, don't do that. I remember when I was married to my first husband, he was in the Navy and we used to go to these mandatory, like I call them the go Navy, stay Navy briefings (laughs) because it was like, stay in the Navy, don't leave the Navy because like, it's a big, scary world out there in corporate (laughs) America. You could get laid off as long as you stay in the Navy. We may not promote you, but we're always going to pay you. Don't go anywhere. And it was like this. And this is why we're wonderful and we have the full budget and the support of the government and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, blah, because right? I was already an entrepreneur. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, and my my, hus- my husband at the time would be like, shh, honor, you, <laughs> you have to be quiet. I was like, oh, gosh, shocking that didn't work out. Um, anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I imagine that, that, that your husband now does not tell you to be quiet. No, actually, he. I think he gets a kick out of me and and and, and a solid eye roll at least once a day. <laughs> um, I I do provide some entertainment, and there the the other aspect too. What I was I'll, I'll close that loop is there's so much encouragement now for someone who wants to go out on their own. Yes. You and I did not listen to podcasts of successful entrepreneurs who had a track record of getting to eat what they killed and being very successful and excited and passionate and, and joyful about what they do for years and years and years when we were getting started. It was frowned upon. It was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You must be crazy. Don't give up the safety and security of the shore. It's very, very scary out there. Now there is so much information and inspiration and encouragement for anyone who wants to go out on their own. And frankly, it, I think it's far scarier to rely on a corporation, in my own opinion, right, in certain circumstances, because at any moment someone can say, 
you, me, over. <laughs> right. No, well, that that's right. And there's and- the door. And it literally happens every single day. The number of people that are like, I'm out of work, I've been out of work, and voila, they start something out of desperation instead of instead of the first time they thought of it, they could have started from a place of power instead of fear and well, force. And nowadays, you're absolutely right. It's not just that the information is out there. It's the access is out there. So many of these people who are doing podcasts are either available to have a cup of coffee or a Skype call or available for formal coaching. There's so much access to people who have done it, who've been there and who want to see you succeed that, you know, no matter how you get access to someone there, someone's out there who can help you. Exactly. Exactly. There's so much information that if you really want to go out on your own, you absolutely can go out on your own and tomorrow. So I think some of the best entrepreneurs are observers. So we could talk about Honoré all day long, and that's fascinating and exciting. But the truth (laughs) is, is that if you just talk about yourself, we only get one little slice of the world. So I love to ask people, who else do you see out there who's doing something cool? Well, I have two uh, quick examples, and they're both kind of book publishing slash entrepreneur heroes of mine. Um, The first one are my mastermind partners, the authors of the book Go For No, Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton. And they are now writing. They're originally screenwriters, like movie screenwriters from Hollywood. They just wrote this phenomenally successful sales book, self-published, Go For No. It sold like half a million copies. But meanwhile, back at what they used to do.com, they were screenwriters. And they are writing um, a series Uh, called Onyx Web. And it is super cool. And um, I get to read all of the stuff way in advance. And it's like, the the only problem is like, I can't go online and just download the next episode. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) would you please write the stuff already? But it's interesting watching them and talking to them and and being their mastermind partner in this process. uh, I don't know that I'm helping them. I was going to say and helping them, but I don't know that I'm helpful at all. I just kind of watch in awe as they build this structure. They're literally building this from nothing, writing these stories and how they're thinking two, three, four, five years out into the future and writing these episodes and completely fiction writing, which has me piqued my curiosity has peaked being a nonfiction writer. I think, hmm, maybe I could write fiction, but I don't know what that means. So that <laughs> so. means when, you, when you're thinking two years ahead, maybe there's going to be a fiction book in Honoré's future. I have thought maybe I would write like a successful single mom fiction series, like develop a character and, and develop stories and, and have some, some of that going on. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to see. I have to learn first, like if there, like there's a formula, I would guess for writing fiction. So there's like the the significant event and then there are the characters and the antagonist and like I don't even remember all of that so I have to look that up I bet (laughs) there's a podcast out there you could listen to for like 20 hours and get all the information yes maybe well I know there's a lot of advanced stuff but that's for people who kind of come to the party and they're like story writers like I don't even know like (laughs) how a story goes to make it interesting so someone would read it so I would have to go to like storytelling 101 class for like third graders (laughs) that's where I would start so that's what Rich and Andrea are up to And then along the lines of information that's out there, this is applicable to your uh, listeners who haven't quite taken the leap. There is a a guy named Steve Scott, and I am in all respectful ways a stalker of Steve Scott. He has written 40 books, and he is very well known in the – Amazon publishing community for, or in the in the public self publishing community at large for making copious amounts of money from just publishing book after book after book. And someone said to me, "Well, why don't you just 
call him and ask him to pick his brain. And I said, well, that's what people do to me all the time. They want to get thousands of dollars of information for a $5 cup of coffee. And so I wouldn't do that to someone when I don't love that myself in particular. So I just have bought all of his books and, and have done my best to kind of just study what he's doing and to reverse engineer what he's doing just respectfully. And, um, I think it's very interesting to watch. So he is up to something that I think a lot of us want to be up to, which is creating an income from nothing on our own terms to support the lifestyle that we want. That's very cool. Thanks for sharing. I've not heard of Steve Scott, but I'm going to go look him up. Oh, yes. And he also writes under SJ Scott. So just when that page ends, then you switch over <laughs> to the other a- alias or, or name that he writes under and you're like, oh, there's more. And wait, <laughs> there's more. Yes. So in addition to being good observers, I also think that the best entrepreneurs find ways to give back somehow. So what do you do to impact the greater good? Well, I have long been a tither. I give 10% of my income back um, to various places. And I, what I do is at the end of the year, I, all of the people that ask me for money throughout the year, I add them to a list. And at the end of the year, I go and I allocate money in the coming year to some, if not all of those good causes, because I think of much, and I'm going to say this wrong probably, but of whom much is given, much is expected. Yes. that No, that's absolutely, I think, awesome. correct. Awesome. And also too, I think in order to be blessed, you have to be a blessing. So of all the good that comes in, I think some good better be going back out or at some point there's going to, there, it's going to choke up going to go, well, we're giving her all this stuff, but she's not doing any good with it. So we're going to cut her off and see if she learns her lesson. Well, and the So con- I have for 25 years been, I give 10% of my income to various um, places and I do it like it's the, the, the first money off the top. So whenever I get any money in from anywhere, I take 10% and give that money somewhere. And it's, it's a really cool feeling to know that those dimes and dollars are going somewhere that are impacting the world in a, in a good way. And as your business grows, when you do that, so does the amount you're able to give back when you tie a percentage and it can be 5% or 10%. I've known someone who does 25%. It doesn't matter what the number is. If you do it consistently over time, it adds up. So the term that I've sort of have coined is compounded generosity. You know, we mm. talk we talk a lot about compounded interest and we tell the people who are in their 20s like you and I were 20 years ago and we tell them, hey, if you start saving for retirement early, the magic of compounded interest, it's going to add up over time. You're going to have all this money when you retire. Of course, nobody does it, but that's the theory. I did it. Well, you're just smarter than me. I didn't. I'm well, making up for well, it. Well, here's the thing is I didn't know what I didn't know and I read it. And somebody, I read somewhere, so if you're 20, listen up. I read somewhere when I was either 19 or 20, if you save 10% of your income from the time you're 20 until the time you're 30, by the time you're 30, you'll never have to work again because you have to work. You'll work because you want to work or you can work. Yep. And I wish so I my, I wish I could go first, back in a time machine and do the same thing because you're right. Sure, it works. Sure. But you can encourage your kids to do it and you are a, a force for good and a voice for good. And so this podcast can be that message. But it's very interesting when I tell people, I'm like, listen to what I am telling you. <laughs> well, and what, what my wife and <laughs> I have my done, lips. <laughs> what my wife and I have done is we've tied a percentage to a giving fund at two children's hospitals, one here in Austin where we live and the other one at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. And we call them the Kate Singer endowments 
for cranial facial surgery and research. And we give mm -hmm. every time yes. I get a speaking gig, when we get the check, that percentage off the top goes directly to one or both of the hospitals. And the reason we do that is Kate was born, my daughter, was born with a condition where the bones in her skull were fused together and she had to have her entire skull sort of rebuilt and reshaped as an infant. And it was horrible. It was scary. And now she's almost 13 years old. She, the bones have grown back. Her head is, you know, beautifully shaped and she has no memory of any of the ordeal. But my wife, Sarah, and I, we will never forget. And mm. so several years ago, we thought, we're so fortunate. I mean, every time we look at, at our children, we just know how fortunate we are. And we came up with this idea. And to be honest with you, you know, the first time I sent a $50 check, a $75 check, a $200 check, I thought, this is kind of lame. This doesn't add up to anything. But now, fast forward seven, eight years, it's tens of thousands of dollars. Yep. And I don't share the exact numbers with people, but it's real money. And I look at it and I think, wow, that's just like compounded interest. It's compounded generosity. We did a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. And all of a sudden, it's real money that has an impact on the research that these doctors do at these two hospitals. And it's like, wow. And so I try to tell people the same thing is you can call it tithing. You can call it compounded generosity. You can call it regular giving. Whatever you call it. <laughs> Regular old giving. Just Regular, give it. But consistently. Well, it, it, it's my, first, my first transfer from checking to savings was $17.80. That was the first 10%. So I give 10% and then I give 10% to myself. Yeah. And so I, I know the exact number that I've given because I have the exact number that I've given. Yeah. When you track it too, it's like if, if, if you give a little bit here and a little bit there and you don't track it, you never know if it's added up or where it's gone. But when you were tracking it based on a percentage or, you know, you have somebody like we have the endowment, the hospitals are tracking it. So we get a statement at the end of the year and it's like, yep. oh my goodness, this has, this has really grown into something. And all of a sudden we realize that someday it's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And many hands make light work. And so all the little everybody doing a little bit means a lot gets done. Yeah. And I'm trying to encourage, you know, thousands of entrepreneurs and solopreneurs to just create a little percentage to always give off the top. And it'll be amazing 20 years, 30 years later. Absolutely. You're so, going to make a difference for sure. Well, we hope so. And I think you are, too, with what you're doing. So if people listen to this and they were like totally wowed by you because you have this big personality and you're delightful and they think I need more of Honoré. How do they find you? Honorayquarter.com or on Twitter at Honoray, on Instagram at Honoray, on Facebook at Honoray. Like I got all the Honorays. I was an early adopter, Tom. Very good idea to be an early adopter. So I have all the Honorays everywhere. And, and Honoray is spelled? H-O-N-O-R-E-E -E, quarter, C-O-R-D-E-R. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for being on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do because you're doing so many cool things. It was so cool to be with you. <laughs> and for those of you who listen, please, I hope you'll come back and listen again. We're having a good time with our guests. And hopefully when you listen, you can get a little nugget of inspiration from what they have to share with you. In the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.